Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Retail Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. We will have some of the most accomplished experts in the retail industry sit down with an influencer or entrepreneur to ask all of their burning questions around the retail industry, trends, tips, technologies, and a little bit of everything else. I'm looking forward to the growth of this podcast. From consumer expectations to store marketing strategies, operational tactics, and the various tech influencing retail right now, the Retail Legends podcast will not only discuss what is going on within the at-large retail landscape, but also offer more specific action-oriented insight for retailers to apply to their unique businesses right away. Our first host is Nicole Leinbach-Raley of Retail-Minded Fame, and I look forward to sharing some news, education, and support about what's going on in retail right now with Nicole. Ready to get legendary? Let's do this. For our first interview, we're turning to a buzzword in the industry, the retail apocalypse. The so-called retail apocalypse has been upon us for the last several years now, and one of the most common narratives is that the mass retail closures that often make headlines are the gigantic stores that have lost their purpose over recent years or failed to reinvent how they can connect with customers. This theory makes complete sense and the data backs it up. If one chain with 500 stores closes, it makes for an eye-popping retail closure figure. But in reality, it's only one company, just several stores of the same company. In this new retail landscape, the independent retailer is set up to reign supreme on the back of their ability to connect to end users. But the independent retailer is also in danger of being overlooked by companies that help power retail. Our host, Nicole, sat down with Georgian Bender at NRF 2020, this year's big show. And what stuck with her was a concern that too much of the show was aimed at companies wanting a 10-store minimum to work with a brand. Let's jump in. I am here with Georgian Bender, who is the principal for Kaiser and Bender Speaking, here at the National Retail Federation Big Show 2020 in New York City. Welcome, Georgian. Hi, Nicole. So, Georgian and I go back, way back, way right? back, way back, way back, <laughs> way back. So, we met a long time ago at a traditional trade show. Yep, so not dance retailer. For dance retailers, where they were <laughs> sourcing inventory, but also learning through some education we were both delivering. But here we are at a conference in New York that is highlighting the innovations and the technology that fuels retailers both online and in-store. Huge. Huge show. So, Georgian, this is your first time at the NRF Big Show? No. No? It's been a couple years, though. It has, okay. It has been a couple years. Okay. And it just gets bigger and bigger every time I come here, and there's so many halls and stages and places to go, and you really need more than one day, and you really have to plan your time. That's for sure the truth. That's the truth. Big time. I know that you and your partner, Rich, are such great leaders and experts when it comes to a lot in retail, but in particular, you do narrow in quite a bit on that brick and mortar experience. We do, and that's our specialty. So with brick and mortar in mind, 
what would you say to those smaller independent brick and mortar businesses who are looking to understand, first of all, what is going on at the NRF show and how do they apply it to their own businesses? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting as I, as I walk the floor and talk to vendors, the exhibitors, there's so much really great, great things here and there are things that I want in my clients' stores, but when I talk to them, it's too big. It's too big or we don't do one store, we don't do five stores, I need a minimum of 10 and, and I feel like the independent retailer misses out. I remember when the NRF used to do a small business, small retailer portion and you know, I'd love to see them do that again. But you know, the things that I'm seeing, um, the visuals and the mirrors and the videos and pick it up and splurge pricing tickets and, and they all belong in little guys too. Yeah, absolutely. There just has to be a, a different conversation. Well, I, I think that a lot could belong in little guys. Some doesn't always make sense for the more independent businesses. You're right. Some of this technology is in fact for multiple, multiple stores that are merging together. Absolutely. And a lot of brick and mortar stores might only have one or two stores. Right. And that's okay, that's a lot to be applauded for. You know, as a small business owner, right. that is a tremendous success in itself to operate and be successful. So I think we need two, you know, we need two factions. So, the, you know, the Zebra technology booth has this awesome robot that goes around and scans the shelves and it can tell you when you're out of stock and when you need to reorder and it can, some of them can restock the, sh it's really cool. I'm, I don't see that in a retailer that has a 20,000 square foot store or a 10,000 square foot store. But maybe someday, you know, you don't know. But, but, the, but obviously the bigger stores have to lead the way first before it trickles down to something that can be used on a smaller level. Well, and to that point, they might not necessarily need the robot to replenish their inventory, no. but what they do need is the, the analytics and the exactly. data that is capturing those inventory right. details to give them visibility and say, listen, you've been out of stock on this or it's time to reorder, right. ultimately leading them to be more proactive and precise in their inventory planning, which makes them more profitable, right? So, well, you know, that that's another one of those big things, right? I have all this data, but I don't know what to do with it. Right, exactly. I mean, even, even smaller retailers have that. They have this tremendous information in their point of sale system, but they don't know what to do with it. Well, and I think that as a small business owner in particular, we have to recognize you know, if you're going to invest in technology, make sure it's the you right technology. Yeah. And that's that's exactly <laughs> right, Jordan. Use it, right? Then you need to use it and you need to react to yeah. it because otherwise, quite frankly, it's, it's a waste of money if you're not using it or optimizing right. it. Um, but I do believe that human touch is still so critical and I think... I think they go hand in hand and they help each other. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, things a human doesn't need to do or something a machine can do better, let it do it. Well, and you that's know, exactly right too. And figure it out. I was, yesterday, I. I took the day and I went and looked at stores. Um, walked around, I spent some time, spent a lot of time at Hudson Yards. Yeah. I was just there the other day myself. Yeah. It's a it's a unique mall. It is a unique mall. Now, but it's a mall. Well that's exactly Make no right. mistake, it's a mall. It remind you know what it reminded me of? The hallways are, are smaller. It reminded me of the Cosmopolitan Mall. In Las Vegas? Las Vegas. I was yeah. looking for a chandelier. Yeah. But a lot of the stores there, they have the big video screens and they have the interactive and um, a lot of the things that we're seeing here, um, it's, obviously it's a, a mall so they can use a lot of on the big bases, but a lot of things that I saw there I could see in any size store. So like I know when I went to Hudson Yards, I saw a lot to do with digital screens. Tons. Okay. So a ton of digital screens with a lot of vibrant colors, a lot of movement. and right. that, 
from my opinion, that replaced what we used to see in traditional malls of more of those playgrounds almost in the middle of a mall, right? Yeah. So this is the new way of engagement for customers. I saw customers touching the screens, interacting with them, yeah. and it became the way the modern consumer wants to be engaged. Now that said, Hudson Yards is in fact surrounded by some experience opportunities outside right. of traditional stores, but I did see a lot of digital weaved throughout that entire experience. Tons. You know, it was it's interesting you say that though because there was the interactive digital screens and then you'd walk down the hallway a little bit and they had an art installment yes. with giant fake fur dogs and there were people standing there combing the dog, the fake fur hair. So and it's just the interaction, right? You get me to come and I play and I stay longer and I spend more money, well, and you know, the goal. What I saw too is a lot of people hit pause and I always say that, Georgianne. I said, if your store or your store environment is creating a reason for customers to hit pause, then you're giving them an experience they want to have. And so while the Hudson Yards is an example of a more modern mall, so to speak, what it's doing is getting customers to hit pause. And now the question becomes, are they spending money, right? We have to look at the depth of that. Did you go into camp? Yes. Okay, so that, if you haven't been to camp, it's a store, it's a cafe, you can leave your kids there while you shop, there's all these rooms for them to play in, they had this one room that had the, you know, the pillows with the sequins and you can play with that, an entire room I was in there writing on the sequins and when you get them in like that, fabulous, but now they have to figure out, you got them to pause, now you got to figure out how to get them to buy. That's exactly right, you need to get them to spend. I personally went into a few stores and I paused a lot. But the price point wasn't something I was necessarily comfortable with. And you know, you have to attract all your customers. So I think as a small business owner and a larger box merchant, you have to factor in where can we provide something at a price point for everybody or at least a more majority of an audience in a place like Hudson Yards. Now granted, we're not talking about the Louis Vuittons and the Gucci's of the world where we, it's a controlled price in there. It is in fact luxury. But I wanted to walk away with something and I walked away with nothing. I didn't either, and, and that's an interesting point that you say that nobody had bags. You know, I, I stood there and just watched people for a long time. No one had bags, and in fact, in many of the stores, I stood back and just looked at the salespeople standing there on their phones. Well, that you know, happens going, a lot. Going through their phones because there weren't customers, or there weren't customers in their part of the store. If somebody came in, they weren't. They're so wrapped up in whatever they were doing, they don't stop and engage people. You know, I think out of that whole mall, there was a, there's a, a Sephora that has things we can afford, right? And a Madewell, but a lot of them were the more expensive shops. Yeah, and, and you know, it's an experience for people to simply enjoy as well from walking around. But at the end of the day, I will be curious in two years yeah. to see what stores are still there I'm with and what you. else might still be there. So I have to say that. But here we are at NRF, and I want right. to get a little bit more insight on your experience today walking around the show floor, what do you think looking ahead into the next decade of retail is a very realistic opportunity for smaller businesses in particular to take from these big technology offerings that we're seeing? Yeah, I think when it starts to drill down so that the smaller businesses can afford the things we see here, certainly the point of sale and the data, and you know, how to use that. Um, the other thing, so, um, did you go into the Perch booth? Not yet. Okay, nope. I love Perch. So Perch is, I've been putting it in stores when I can, Perch is an interactive, it can be a, a, um, a box, 
It can be a jewelry case. It can be something on the wall. I go over, I pick up a bottle of perfume, and the screen behind, you know, blows up and it starts to tell you about that product. You can pick up an item and you can touch and it tells you more about it. I love that. I love that too and I can see that in all kinds of applications. Yeah. I can see that in our clients everything from boutiques to craft stores to funeral homes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole thing. Here's the thing about that which I love and I have seen that on the show floor in other ways as well and I'm familiar with Porsche and I do enjoy yeah. what they do. The reality is a lot of customers do not want to talk to sales associates. So if you can offer them insight and information right. for their product yep. within the store through a display, such as Perch offers, that is a win-win for you because you're connecting with the customer without yep. ever having to verbally say a word. And it also opens up the door to have a conversation. That's exactly so right. So if I'm just standing at a counter and I'm looking at a $400 handbag, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, isn't that nice, do you want to talk about that some more? My, my attitude is usually, go away, I'm looking at it. But if after I've played with it for a couple of minutes and I've looked at the video screen, <clears throat> that salesperson comes up, I'm more open to speaking with them. Yeah, absolutely. More opening to do that. So I, I love that. Um, for my clients, I like the companies like Springboard Retail that has the tracking. And they can tell me how many people came in the store and I can compare that to my sales. And if I knew that 182 people came into my store between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock and I only sold 300 bucks, but people are slacking. Well, Door Technologies, who is here at the NRF, and I've worked with them over the years as well, just for research purposes, I right. love how they actually sensory track customers navigating in physical yeah. stores. And that intelligence is then translated to the leaders at retail right. to unveil, okay, this is your high traffic area. Or you might think it's a high traffic area, right. but actually people are walking right by it, which tells you that right. your displays might not be as dynamic as you think. So right. there's a lot of insight from that perspective that small businesses can apply to their They can business. apply. And I don't know if um, they have the tracking, but <clears throat> when I was in the Springboard booth, I was watching a live store. Oh, very cool. And the, fig the figures and the people coming in and, you know, how much they were selling. And it, it's, it's fascinating. Well, what's great, too, is there's a lot of technologies here. And I do think um, small businesses need to recognize this that integrate into each other. So a lot of these technologies, such as Springboard Retail, for example, who does a POS offering, they partner with other technologies. Right. So collectively, you can look at a lot of different insight that is being tracked by different technology right. companies, but the key is that they're integrated. And I think that in that itself That integration is, yes. is really good. But now, and we have to make sure that those companies can train the retailers on the integration because the smaller business is not gonna have a big IT staff Right. They can figure out each one of these pieces. So, you know, I buy your POS system and I buy your tracking system and I buy your, and you're working together, you need to make sure that there's a, a proper training. Absolutely. So that the retailer understands how to use it and they don't get frustrated. Yeah, training's key. So, Georgia, okay. you and I could talk forever. We could. And I know we will be talking again, so I appreciate you joining the Retail Minded Podcast um, here at NRF 2020 in New York City. If you had one final piece of advice, as you look ahead into the decade ahead of us, or small businesses in particular, what would it be? Do it. Stop thinking about it. If you think that a technology is going to work for you, or if you think something of as small as a fixture, whatever it is, is going to work for your store, even if you have an inkling of it, do it. If it doesn't work, get rid of it. But if you don't try, you're going to have the same store doing the same things, selling the same merchandise to maybe not even the same customer. So just give it a shot. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much, Georgian. You're welcome. And I look forward to exploring more stores with you soon.
quote, George Ann, if you don't try, you're going to have the same store doing the same thing. I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. To be truly relevant across the next decade, we need brands willing to embrace new technologies, new consumers, new trends, new demographics, really anything with new in it. It's an evolving landscape. We need retail that is willing to adapt. Over and over, e-commerce is making the headlines, and it often deserves it. It has transformed the efficiency of purchasing for the consumer. And the smartphone is a fantastic tool to allow that ease of purchase, that frictionless experience on social media, websites, and anywhere else where your audience might be. But e-commerce is still only a fraction of the total retail space, and that's important to remember. Our host, Nicole, sat down with Fabian Tiburce of Compliant IA to walk us through what the trends in this new decade can be and should be, and how maybe we spend too much time focusing on e-commerce when the in-store experience is still thriving. Let's dive into that one. Baby and Tiburos. Did I say that right? You did, you did, thank you. Okay, welcome. We are here at the National Retail Federation Big Show and you are the founder and CEO of Compliant IA. That is correct. So to all of our listeners who might not know who Compliant IA is, can you tell them what that is? Of course, and thanks for having me, uh, by the way, on this uh, this panel. So uh, Compliant IA is a retail execution and communication uh, software. We operate on the cloud. Uh, We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary two months ago. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And we allow uh, large multi-unit retailers with usually 100 plus stores to communicate and and uh, execute programs in store. So we do. And that in-store piece of the puzzle, I'm just going to dive right into this because here we are at the National Retail Federation Big Show 2020, you know, looking ahead into the next decade. Um, it's not just about online. It is in fact about in-store as well. Absolutely is. I mean, look, uh, e-commerce is obviously huge and, and getting bigger, but the, the, the most of retail sales still happen overwhelmingly. Still happen in stores, and in fact, you know, there's plenty of evidence that uh, uh, younger people, you know, uh, the millennials, actually prefer shopping shopping in store. Um, you know, you've got a lot of luxury good companies uh, doing tremendous business. I was in Galerie Lafayette two weeks ago in Paris. It was absolutely magnificent displays. The store is full, absolutely packed. And you're talking very expensive items, and it's packed. So retail is alive and well, um, and retail is very much experiential. But there are challenges to mar- merchandising uh, and to execution merchandising program. Very, very uh, uh, pain points remain. Um, Ten years in, we've been doing this, and it's, it's still uh, still very much a pain point for a lot of retailers. Yeah, I think that the merchandising piece of any physical store environment, it is so important in order to not only just capture customer attention, but ultimately keep customer attention. Absolutely. Um, and, and on that note, Nicole, as, as you well know, um, again, plenty of evidence, it's, it's much cheaper to retain a customer than it is to acquire a new one. I think that the, the numbers might be as much as 10, 10 times more expensive. So it's uh, it's you know borderline criminal to to uh, miss opportunities and to let your customers down uh, with poor merchandising or poor experience because they may not come back 
and by then it's a lot more expensive to reacquire them than to acquire somebody, you know, somebody else. That's exactly right. And on that note, what have you guys seen, whether here at UnRF or what you guys are doing, to help make customers not lose their focus, but rather instead get engaged within that store environment? And from an employee management perspective, how can employees best assist in merchandising displays and making sure that there is you know, follow through in their efforts as well. That's a, that's a great question, Nicole. So there is amazing technologies and frankly exciting. You know, there is like the robots. There is uh, that, that, you know, scan uh, shells. And they're not just experimental. We've seen those things being deployed in, in small pilots, some of the large big box retailers. So that's exciting. Uh, there's drones, which I think is, is you know, exciting as well. Uh, drones are scanning. Uh, shelves and, and, and reporting, you know, product holes and, and so on and so forth. Um, there is a lot of cool technology, but the funny thing is um, retail still very much, you know, the, the humans are not out of the game yet and they won't be for some time because if you're like a merchandising, you could just, you know, look at a shelf, but that's not true. I mean, merchandising is anything that you and I experience when we walk into the store. And, and it's your it's your displays, it's your your, your the cleanliness, uh, your, your pricing, your your your, your pop. It's going to be difficult for a robot that is designed today to do one thing, to do all the other jobs, including some of the uh, the more um, you know the less factual, but what's the word I'm looking for? Based on judgment, okay. you know, robots are not quite there yet. So if, if so, you're saying the human touch is still needed I, from I, that perspective. I very much. You, you, yes. you can, you know, you can probably get to the bottom of your merchant of your planograms and your out of stocks with robots. You can, and, and, and we will. So I think it's a matter of time. Um, but I think it's still going to take humans to have the signage and the pop and the coordination and the human touch, so that the experience is, I don't know, pleasant, engaging at, a, at an emotional level. Because that's what you want in your store, right? People Absolutely. People want to be thrilled. They want to tell their friends. They want to talk and write about you and, and tweet about you. Well, as my friends Kaiser and Bender say, they use the word shoppertainment. Yes. And I think that that is so it. true. And I do think merchandising and displays in particular really are such a vital piece of that shoppertainment, if you will. It is huge. I mean, it's huge from, from, a, from a customer experience standpoint. Uh, we all know that usually pops and old promos are tied to you know, over and above dollars for the retailers, a lot of money to be made on, on promotions, right? Um, the, the holidays in particular, that's where you know, a lot of retailers make most of their money. So if you don't execute these programs well, uh, you're really missing out. Like on sales, um, you're, you're letting customers down, but you're frankly letting yourself down uh, with missed opportunities and lost sales, which is tragic when, when you know what the, the margins are in retail and how competitive that is. So what would you tell a retailer listening right now, how can they optimize that to avoid letting themselves down by lost sales, but ultimately you know, retaining more customers as well through a stronger merchandising strategy? Right, so I think depending on you know, what, what kind of retail uh, you're talking about, if you're a big box store, these robots are there, or it could be a, a, a smart shelf solution. Um, those have to be deployed in larger numbers, so frankly, you know, I still go into a lot of stores and the shelves are empty. Uh, wow. You, you think that no longer happens with the kind of performance that we have today, but it does happen very, very much. So 
clearly commit yourself organizationally, deploy the technology, and, and, and train people, I guess, so the technology right. is, is deployed and working. Uh, and, you know, the, the robot has been plugged overnight, um, so it can actually scan your stores. But I also think it takes, you know, tools to, uh, and processes to commit, to, to audit and check and verify with a human touch the so-called qualitative data, not just quantitative, to walk the store um, and make sure your store is, is, is ready for business. Um, and, and I think it takes both, the technology and the quantitative data on the, on the one end, which is there's plenty of that today, and the qualitative, and it takes, you know, start communication tools, but also takes training. Um, any policy is, is not going to be useful if no one knows it. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things I see here at NRF, and I see this all the time in general when I'm studying retail, as I always do, is there's so much great technology, there's a lot of analytics that can come from this great technology, tons. but it still takes the leaders, the decision makers within those retail environments to choose whether or not they're going to react uh, to that analytics, right? So, I even as you're talking, and what you said, walk the floor, make sure your shelves are not empty. Um, if it comes down, if you are an organization or a retailer that does in fact employ robots to help with restocking inventory, but some don't yet, right? They're working right. towards that maybe. Uh, and the human touch is still very vital in making these decisions. I totally agree. And on that note, actually, uh, there's also a lot of dashboard and KPI uh, packages. And when you look at what every vendor will, will say, they often talk about the returns, your ROI, and they look at a silo. So, you know, our category, where I'm going to talk about, because I do that too, by the way, right? We do that too, but retail execution, there's going to be some returns and some benefits. But what we're finding more and more from our customers is when you correlate the data that you can get, say, from, from an application like ours to the data you're going to get from your robots to uh, customer complaints to sales, um, uh, when you create all that into, you know, at predictive analytics, and you start, you start finding patterns and correlations that are very meaningful. So I think one of the, the, the possibility of, of retail where we're heading to is not just looking at data sets in silo and vacuum, um, because you're only going to get so much, but um, it's when you look at everything. Why do I have more customer complaints, lower sales, you know, lower rates on my store audits? Well, it's all probably tied. Yeah. And it does take a human. I mean, machines can help us, but then right. you have to commit organizationally to, to get react to the to bottom it. of it, right? That's exactly right. I think also what you just said, it is a combination of everything. And that's such a great point to end on here. I so enjoyed speaking with you. I think it's Likewise. a collective experience here at retail in terms of being successful or not. It's not just one effort, it's a lot of effort. I completely agree. Yes. So if you had, Look ahead into the next decade. What would you say your one piece of advice would be for retailers in order to help leverage the opportunities around them to strengthen their business? You know, I would say don't don't just get the, the, into the hype of you know e-commerce and online shopping things like that. Look, I am I'm a technology guy. I run a technology company. I just booked two trips uh, with uh, for my boys. And where did I go? I went to a travel agency. And a wonderful lady, she really helped me pick a, a, a place that was great for my boys. After I booked it, she sent me an email with 12 things to do in British Columbia or Alberta that my boys would do. You're not gonna get that online. And, and look, 
Retail is here to stay, experiential retail, people who care, attendants who know their business and care about you. I'll keep going back to that, I'm not alone. So um, I think we're, we're, we're over the, oh my God, you know, uh, uh, online commerce is gonna take over, retail is dead. Retail is not dead, retail is doing great. But you have to accept the new reality, integrate the new technologies. But don't forget and don't neglect your stores and, and, and train people and go back to what made you successful. And I think your future will be bright. Yeah, I love that. That personalized touch still goes a very long way. Huge. Yes. Well, Huge. thank you so much. Thank and we look help. forward to everything that you're going to continue to offer in the next decade because you've been around 10 years already, right? Yeah, I have. And thank you very much for having me today. Thank you. Remember, retailers need to step outside of their comfort zones and into other touch points and opportunities that are influencing their businesses, including their customers. Learn from others and learn from the Retail Legends podcast, which you can look forward to every other Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and make sure to subscribe to Retail Legends wherever you're listening to your podcast content.